I call real estate, it, it is the, the kind of the great equalizer of wealth. And what I mean by that is if you do it, you're able to leverage your dollar, which allows you to get a greater return than any other asset class. And by equalizer, what I mean is an individual that let's say is a billionaire, right? They can get a 1% return on their money and live a very comfortable lifestyle. That would be $10 million. You can't catch up to that type of wealth without something that can be leveraged like real estate. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers Podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, what's happening? Hey, guys. Uh, not too much right now. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, keeping busy, obviously, and uh, you know, finding a little bit of time for one of our favorite things in the day, which is talking to fun and exciting uh, people who are doing stuff we love. So, That's right. What we're going to jump into today, I'm, I'm going to bring in our guest. Um, he's the president and owner of KRS Holdings, uh, Kyle Stevenson. Kyle, how are you? Doing terrific. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Excellent. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. We're happy to have you on. And obviously, we want to talk about real estate. That's one of our favorite topics. It's what we love and you know where we've certainly made our wealth. Uh, but before we get into what you have to talk about, we'd love to know a little bit more about you and your backstory. So if you could indulge us and share a little bit about your history and what led you to where you are today. Absolutely. So um, the, the two-minute version is I have been passionate about real estate my entire life. I grew up in a small town in the center of the universe, which is New Jersey, just in case anybody's confused. Um, ended up going to Penn, was fortunate enough to, to get into Penn. And um, at the time, Donald Trump was a monster name. This was in the late 80s. And he was doing really well in real estate. And so when you're young, when you're in your teens or your early 20s, you're like, well, man, if this guy can do it, why can't I type of uh, thought process, even though I didn't know his father had 250 million to get him rolling. <laughs> I, di I didn't have that type of bankroll. So um, so anyway, I would uh, listen all night to books and understand how I could buy real estate, bought my first piece of real estate um, in my early 20s and made all of the mistakes you make when you when you buy your first piece of real estate, or at least with myself. And uh, I continued to buy and learn more about real estate and started to do okay with it. And all of this while still maintaining a job. And then, gosh, about 15 years ago, I had a bunch of friends that were like, look, let us, you know, you've done okay with it, Kyle. Why don't you do your own thing and let us, you know, invest with you. And so I started investing um, with some friends. And, you know, fast forward another 15 years, we're real fortunate to have done several syndications, 
We, I have a, an operating company, KRS Holdings. We manage about 4,000 units in Virginia and in North Carolina. And I absolutely love it. Would, would do this 24 hours a day if I, if I could stay awake that long. <laughs> awesome. What's your background? What, were, what was your job while your skin started? Ah, great question. So I, I am a salesperson. And I, and I, so I have sold everything from when I started, I was selling toilet paper. Honest to goodness truth, I was selling toilet paper. I sold Scott tissue. Um, and then I got out of that business and started selling medical equipment. And so I uh, specifically operating room equipment. And so that job allowed me, I could, I could work, you know, it gets, it gets rolling. You get to be in the operating room around 730 in the morning. And so um, early around seven o'clock, at least when I was doing it and, you know, you'd work your surgeries and then have a lot of surgeries in the evenings. And so I would do the real estate in the evenings. So that's, that's kind of how I got the ball rolling. Okay. Um, so, and you said that was until about 15 years ago, give or take? About 15 years ago. So uh, 2007. And so I left, I retired at the best time you could retire out of the medical industry and go into real estate right around the time where the financial markets crashed and you actually could not borrow enough money for a stick of gum. <laughs> it was actually really jacked up if you want to know the truth. Um, yeah. So my life kind of came to a halt. We couldn't buy anything because nobody would lend money. So it was 2008, 2009. So that's the, the real estate financial crisis. It was really, I mean, there's some just nasty stories about that time. So one of the things we did, uh, Adam, that's so funny you're bringing that up. Um, one of the things I did was I start, because I was a salesperson. So I started knocking on the doors of banks because guess who needed help? Like guess who's, who's having problems, you know, paying, getting, getting their notes paid were the banks. So I could go call on a bank and say, hey, I know you're having trouble with people paying your mortgage. Could we somehow work something out where I help that person pay their mortgage? In other words, help them manage their property. And if I help them manage the property well enough, I can then help them pay their mortgage and they can become current. And that's literally what I did for a number of years is just called on banks and tried to help banks through their really tough times. That's, that's what I did for a few years because it sucked. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did that provide any opportunities that helped you springboard to where you are now? Absolutely. So we were able, the other part is obviously if we're helping people with troubled properties, right? With non-performing properties, not, you know, maintenance issues, uh, tenant payment issues, whatever it is, whether it's A class, B class, C class, things that are struggling, you, you have to learn how to fix problems. And, you know, what we would say is we, we can fix train wrecks. We learned how to fix some of the train wrecks. And so that's allowed us to identify opportunities for improvements and systems, you know, to operate properties, um, opportunities, even internally with our, with our operating company, how do we do things a little bit better? You're always looking to, to fix things. So I, I would say, you know, we, we were exposed to just crazy, crazy stories, you know, where, um, you know, we, we, we were helping out one lender and um, 
we, we went, it was an apartment community and the apartment community, um, we had a tenant, a resident that said, Hey, you know, my owner just wanted rent to help me move in. But he said, I didn't have to pay again until he got me running water, like, like crazy stories like that. Right. So, um, you know, and how do you work with someone like that? And how do you, you know, how do you help that individual out? So, um, you know, just, yeah, it was a really crazy time. So yes, that, that, those times, no question about it, it allowed us also to gr- create um, very long lasting, wholesome relationships with lenders because we helped them out when it was really difficult. And so um, I think that we've been able to create a reputation with individuals that lend money throughout Virginia by, by having that type of track record. Yeah. Now, now come that time, you know, that 2007, 2008 timeframe, 2009. Well, that's it. Yeah. I was going to say, but before I guess, before you went professional, you know, full-time real estate, um, what did your portfolio look like going into that? Cause I know where you are now. Right. So, oh my goodness. That's a good question. Um, if my memory serves me, maybe we were managing between four and 600 units. It's fairly sizable. <laughs> yes, we were managing a decent amount of stuff. So um, uh, admittedly, we, the clients we had, again, were, it, it was different, right? These, these were, a lot of these clients were really struggling. And so it was a, the conversations that you had to have with individuals were, were not good. The conversations you had to have with a lender possibly were not good. Really difficult, really difficult times to, to, to be around. Um, and then you would have in some cases, though I don't see this happening in today's world, the, the loans, you would have some individuals where the banks were in such big distress they couldn't afford to continue to lend the money out and they would actually not renew someone's loan. So let's just say that you have uh, a million dollar loan out there and the bank's like, man, we, we just, we have so many non-performing loans. We need that dough back. And so now you have a client that has, has no idea what they're going to do because they, they have to pay a million dollars back to the lender. And again, there are no banks out there willing to loan. So then you got to negotiate with the banks and try to figure something out. And those times allowed us to really understand the needs of clients, the needs of, of, of lenders. Um, again, yeah, we, we, we learned a ton. And it was yeah, about between, probably between four and 600 units. So it was what we were overseeing at the time. Gotcha. And with those four to 600 units, obviously coming through a few rough years there in the Great Recession, um, you know, what would you learn that you carried forward into the next decade? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it's youth or if it was the recession. What, and I, and I, I gosh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I know that uh, individuals can't see my face, but I, I have a really big smile. What I, what I learned is, um, don't over leverage, be conservative with your, your approach to the world. Don't speculate, don't do something just for the sake 
of appreciation. You know, we, we, we were able to walk through so many individuals and so many lenders shoes that we could see, I'll call them mistakes, the mistakes that lenders made where maybe they didn't do their due diligence or didn't analyze a, a, a deal real well. Um, we've seen, you know, the 65 year old retiree that lost everything because they decided to buy a multifamily building and knew nothing about it and highly leveraged themselves. So I think that when we take a look at a deal, we are conservative in the way that we look at the interest rate. We are conservative in the, you know, how much money we would want to borrow. We want to make sure that there's a reserve account. There's a little bit of a contingency. Now, a lot of these things, just as you get older, you have more to lose and you got less time to catch up if you do lose. So, um, but I, I would say that you just, you look at the world, you know, that when things go sideways, you get, you better have a little bit of powder. Um, because if you, if you don't have some dry powder, you can get screwed, you know, one of the, um, um, and, and I don't, this is, this is going to sound a, a, a little bit of a, it's a joke. So, but, um, Mark Twain has a quote, which is, you know, a lender or a, you know, a lender is someone or a banker is someone who is happy to lend you the umbrella when it's sunny, but, you know, wants the umbrella back when it begins to rain. Right. So, um, I just, I just remember that you got to be careful. Absolutely. Now, obviously, you know, we've, it's been prosperous for the past, you know, 10, 12 years or so. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like you, you couldn't go wrong making a real estate investment. So, but obviously what, what do you see going forward with this data right now? Obviously this week we're seeing interest rates, you know, top in 6%. I mean, it's, you know, what, what do you see Kevin? Yeah. Right. It's bananas. Right. So again, um, if we take a look at the past 15 years, rates at some point were, let's say they're at 8%. If people really think about it, um, you may have done a deal that, he, that wasn't that strong, even in 08 or 09. Rates have been on the decline since 08, 09, right? I, I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, a lot of people have locked in that 8% rate now. You know, at one point, if I took a look at my real estate schedule, I've, and I, the, the way that I view my world, I'll have, you know, what, what we own and what interest rate, you know, that's on, that's one of the pieces on the real estate schedule. Well, none of them are at 8%. So if my cost of money is 4% now versus the 8%, right, I look like a rock star, right? I look like an absolute genius. And in the meantime, rents have gone up. So all of that, has, has made a lot of people look really, really, really bright. It hasn't been until the past couple months that rates have started to accelerate up since 2008, 2009, right? So um, are there some clouds on the horizon? Uh, there, there have to be. Now, with that being said, um, we, we need to figure out wage inflation because as long, and this is my opinion, as long as we have this heavy wage inflation going on, 
I think it may be able to support some of the debt levels as as, as rates go up. Um, but you know it, that's also it's not just wage inflation; that's economic inflation. So um, at some point, that that's going to also uh, come to an end, and th- and then actually you you run into even a worse problem because you got these higher rates. And then you have individuals that may not be able to afford um, the, the cost to satisfy that debt. That's that's kind of how I feel. Does that, does that make sense, or was I too was I too too all over the place, or was that pretty clean? <laughs> <laughs> no, you you were, you were spot on with that. Now, obviously, you mentioned you know back in 08 at the time you were having trouble finding money to you know buy a pack of gum, and 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 maybe we can get uh, we can get banks to lend on that now. But we're certainly noticing on our end, banks are already tightening up their restrictions just in the past few weeks. So, you know, what, what does that in your playbook, you know, where do you go to? What's the strategy you adopt for times like this? Yeah. So, so what's really interesting about, about the lender environment right now, because they, they got to make loans, they have to make loans. So it, it, it's, it's difficult because one of the things that those banks, the reason I believe why the banks are struggling is there's something called you know, your, your, your debt coverage ratio. And so what has happened is the banks are more than happy to lend the money, but they can't physically, you know, they being regulated, you know, there has to be a certain percentage of money left over after you cover your, your, your debt and your expenses, and they just can't get there. So what what we're going to see is appraisals also are, are going to get squeezed a little bit. Your debt coverage is going to get squeezed. And so you're going to have to put more money into that investment. You're going to have to take more risk to have that lender feel comfortable uh, lending you lending you money. Um, as far as what, what we're looking at, um, I mean, obviously any sort of financing, refinancing that we're doing, you know, that, that's, that's done. <laughs> so we're not, we're not doing any of that. Um, you know, if, if we're going to analyze a deal, we're going to analyze it using, let's say a 6% interest rate. It's just, that's just, that's the way it is. Now, I think over time, it's going to get more exciting because again, people are going to have trouble um, meeting their their obligations. I shouldn't, I guess saying that it sounds like I'm, I'm praying, but I just, what, what, what we'll do is we want to, we, you know, we just want to help out all parties. So if somebody's having difficulty meeting their obligation and we can strike a deal and help people out that that's, that's what we're going to do. So, um, you know, so we're, 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 we're looking forward to some of the more opportunistic times, I think that, that will be coming down the pike. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I tend to agree on that. I mean, and it's it's not a matter of necessarily celebrating that people are going to have hardships, right? It's just being there's a, there's a mar, there's something positive in every market. You just have to find what that opportunity is. That's right. There's a there's a neat video. Um, again, depending on what excites you, um, this this video for me is pretty uh, pretty exciting. It's um, the Ray Dalio how the economy works. It's a 30 minute video and it really talks about the cycles of short term rates and long term rates. And, um, you know, anytime I just want to get excited about life, I pull up that video. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, it's probably not every time I get, want to get excited about life. 
that, 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 that would be a little bit warped. But I, I, but I, but I really do like that. It's like animated. It's kind of a cartoon thing. So, you know, it's a, it's a cartoon about money. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> right. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that one out. Now, you mentioned you're syndicating as well, too. What type, what's your asset that you syndicate in? So we, we have done probably over the past 15 years, we've probably done about seven or eight syndications. We've syndicated communities. So for a community, um, we, we define that as uh, where we have a full-time maintenance technician and a full-time property manager that we have full-time employees on, on the property. And so we will, um, I, I think our approach is just like everybody else's approach where we will uh, raise some money and um, provide someone a certain return. The limited partner gets a certain return. And then every dollar above that, we, we split it to uh, the, the individuals who are the limited partners and then the, you know, the general partner, which is, which is myself and the firm. So we've done that. We, we did a syndication a couple of years ago, which was pretty cool. We bought just a chunk of homes, like 150 of them. And, um, and that one's a little bit different because we're fixing some of them up and selling them. We're fixing, we're, we're, we're improving, you know, renovating some of them. And, and that, that's been a pretty dynamic experience. Um, but again, we did that weird time in the market, can't find great opportunities on the multifamily side. So we took a look and did some things on the single family. And so that's, that's proven to be a nice return. Yeah. So our investors have been happy. It's been a really, really good run. We have a lot to be thankful for. You know, we get up and block and tackle every day, but we're very, very thankful that things have worked well for us. When you wrote into us, you had uh, kind of mentioned that real estate is the way to uh, really some freedom, financial freedom, some retirement, what are your kind of um, recommendations on how to approach the real estate? Do you, are you thinking that people should start to buy some more properties on their own or get into the syndication aspect of things? And, uh, and how long should they plan to really get focused on the real estate to get that financial freedom that they need? Oh man, you got me all excited. Okay. So I call real estate, it, it is the the kind of the great equalizer of wealth. And what I mean by that is if you do it, again, time needs to be a little bit on your side, the way that I invest. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not super, super speculative. You're able to leverage your dollar, which allows you to get a greater return than any other asset class, hands down. Okay. And by equalizer, what I mean is an individual that let's say is a billionaire, right? They can get a 1% return on their money and live a very comfortable lifestyle. That would be $10 million. You can't catch up to that type of wealth without something that can be leveraged like real estate. So the school teacher or the construction worker, or we, we talk about in our company, um, we, we allow the employees to invest in deals. Okay. 
um, even if it's $1,000, you're able to then, instead of just worrying about getting a 1% or 2% return, if we can leverage it, if we can get it to 10%, right? I can catch, well, in theory, I should be able over a certain period of time because of compound interest, right? I'm going to be able to catch up to the billionaire sitting, you know, with 1%. And it may not, I'm, I'm giving you an extreme comparison, but truly it allows someone that doesn't make a ridiculous amount of dough to leverage up, get those returns as long as they do it smartly. So that, that's, that's what I love about real estate. It is the equalizer for wealth. And would, would they be buying, uh, what's the best method to get that done? Yep, yep. I I I got real theoretical and didn't didn't and didn't say, hey, step one, right? So <laughs> so um syndications are good for individuals that have a little bit more dough and really don't want to indulge themselves completely in they, they want to work on a more passive approach. So they may give up a little bit of return but it's more passive. And as long as they trust the individual that they are going to partner with or invest with, and that individual has a proven track record, it is all good. Um, but you just then need to do research just like you would a stock or know that, you know, that individual has been referred by many people and, you know, here's their track record and you feel comfortable investing with them. That, that would be the, the approach for someone who has, again, a little bit more money um, and just really doesn't have the tolerance for, for doing it on their own. If I, if I had a little bit of a passion or a lot of a passion, I would uh, say that single family homes are probably the best way to start. And again, you got to make sure that the numbers work well. The thing that I love about single family homes is there are times in the market where you get this disproportionate appreciation. And what I mean by that is there are times where you can get a certain return on your dollar, but again, like now where home ownership is really, really exciting for individuals, the return on the dollar becomes irrelevant and it becomes a question of can a homeowner afford to buy this home and live in it forever and ever and ever. And then you get these really just nasty uh, appreciation levels. And that's what you're seeing now. You can then take that equity, that ownership in that appreciation time. And then, and you know, we're, we're, I know we have limited amounts of time here, but you can 1031 exchange that into a multifamily, into something that would create um, greater cash for you. So that would be my strategy. If I were to, to do it, um, I would buy that single family home, wait until their disproportionate levels of appreciation, sell it, trade up into something uh, much, much, uh, you know, just larger and provides more uh, tax shelter and more cash. That would be my, that would be my approach. And for those that are living on that paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, is it uh, the Dave Ramsey kind of attitude on this or how do they get involved? Oh, as, as we should all know, a lot, many, many Americans are in that position. Yeah. 
So Dave Ramsey is a non-leverage guy, but if you know a little bit of Dave Ramsey's history, which I think he'll disclose, I believe he did a little bit of development work. He did some speculative work, right? And then he had to declare BK. If I'm not mistaken, that's part of his bankruptcy. And so he has a little bit different outlook. Um, I would say you, you know, what we talked about earlier is something to focus on. While I, while I recommend leverage, I just think it needs to be controlled. So, and then living paycheck to paycheck. I, I, so I, I love Dave Ramsey. I love Dave Ramsey. So it's funny. I, I listen to his, um, you know, where they do the money. I think it's a money scream or when the debt free scream. And I, so I love when you bring up Dave Ramsey. So um, I think you, you have to learn at any point in your life not to live beyond your means. And I just, you can't live. And that's what Dave Ramsey stresses, right? That, you know, um, you, you got to make sure that your income exceeds your expenses. And the more you can do that, and, and I still, you know, again, it's been a wonderful run for me. I'm still very cognizant of my income and my expenses. And, and you, you, so you got to do everything you can to, to make sure your income exceeds your expenses. And I would say do that prior to investing. Don't, don't, yeah, because if not, it could get really, really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, and of course, I'll, I'll add to that, just keeping your expenses level while you increase your income is really where we want to be. So not, not increasing your expenses to match your income. That's right. Uh, that lifestyle creep. <laughs> yep. And, and it's tough, man. I, it's funny. Um, I recall again through, you know, the, the great recession, that's what just crushed people because they had, they were living off of credit cards. They thought that, um, you know, they could leverage everything. There were the, the difference between what I've seen in this cycle and last cycle is lenders at least want to see some skin in the game or most lenders want to see some sort of equity in the game when in in 08 or 09 you could or actually go back like six and seven you could actually get you could buy millions of dollars of real estate and not have if you had good credit you'd have to put a penny in not one nickel that's not the way it's been this time around and no more stated income anymore right no more stated income <laughs> on, on a, what's scary on like a 40 unit building, right? Like, like what, what, what is that about? <laughs> Pass them loose back then. Yeah. Well, um, obviously Kyle, we, we appreciate you sharing, sharing your stories and I could sit here and talk with you all afternoon, but um, do you have any parting advice you give anybody listening? And then of course uh, a way that they could reach you if they're interested and want to talk to you further. Sure. Um, so I think real estate, is by far the best investment vehicle in the whole wide world, comma, but you got to be passionate about the, the, the investment. You have to be passionate. It is a business. It is something that you have to take incredibly seriously. So if it's not your passion, maybe you look to work with others 
that it, it is their passion, that they, they, they love it and they've been incredibly successful with it. So that would be my parting words, but I, I think that it should be part of everybody's um, investment plan and, and really just to continue to under, understand it. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to us, um, uh, I'm at uh, K Stevenson, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N at krsholdings.com. You can just go to the website. It's probably the easiest way, krsholdings.com. And there are a bunch of emails there and, you know, reach out to us and we'd be more than happy to, to, you know, answer questions, um, you know, the best that we can. Perfect. Well, Kyle, before I let you go, I'm going to turn it over to Justin for the Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. All right, Kyle, five quick questions for you. First one, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? <laughs> wow, my superpower unique. Um, I can drive for like 24 hours straight without a problem, just a little bit of coffee. How much is a little? <laughs> Uh, we're probably sipping on it for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all relative. Don't get tired at the wheel. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that's good. Where are you going for 24 hours? <laughs> so, so what sucks, right? So, so funny, funny story. I just tested it where our plane got canceled in the Florida Keys, and um, they couldn't get us out of the airport for four days. So I said, well, we'll will drive and then that's a long ways to everything yeah yeah so so the florida keys just so you know when you're at the bottom of the florida keys going through florida it's a really big long state just so you know yes. yeah <laughs> yeah well i remember look i know this is totally side topic I, I looked at how to get from miami to the keys i was like wait what like <laughs> <laughs> and miami stuff like yeah. and miami's really so right right but uh all right uh if you were to go back three to five years, what might you have done differently that you wish you could have? So, I mean, if I had known that real estate was going to be like one tenth the value that it is now, <laughs> I would have I would have done everything I said don't do on this call. Like I would have leveraged, 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 leveraged. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little asterisk. Yep. Uh, <laughs> or crystal balls all work. Right? Yeah. There you go. I would have leveraged my whole. I, Shoot, right? I take mortgage out on my kids. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh man. And so where are you headed in the next three to five years? Um, we are waiting. So, you know, Warren Buffett has a quote, which is um no one knows who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. So we, we want to help some of the individuals when the tide goes out, make sure they're they're protected. Okay. Uh, I like how you're saying that. <laughs> And uh, what is your favorite book on business or money? So on business, I love The Rockefeller Habits. Um, great book. Uh, I love Traction. That's another book that I, you know, that I love that probably everybody says they love. But I, I do like The Rockefeller Habits. I definitely like that. I was just talking about Traction to somebody today. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, traction's pretty awesome. So, so Rock not to bore you, Rockefeller Habits, I think was a precursor to traction. Okay. So, um, and then you know you gotta love E Myth Revisited. If you haven't read that one, like I'm trying to think of the ones that I've just read over and over again. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I love reading. So um, I am focused. Actually, there's a, a gentleman I work with. So that's something else I would recommend is just read, read, read. There's a gentleman that I, I do a Monday morning meeting. So today is Monday. I do a meeting at 630 in the morning and I force myself to read every single week. We agree to read a certain amount and then we discuss what we've read. And I do that. And that just forces us to just continually get better and better and hone our skills. And so that's a kind of a technique that I use to make sure I don't stop reading. Good. And that's why we ask questions so that we can keep doing that as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. What has been your biggest aha moment? Wow. I mean, these are great questions. Um, my biggest aha moment has been realizing that I know this sounds so elementary, but I was a salesperson and I was very much into me, 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 because that's how salespeople are. Mm -hmm. um, how much more a team can accomplish versus an in individual. And so, you know, we talk about teamwork and that there's no I in team, but to really, really embrace that and try to get a team to work together. Um, allows one to accomplish so much more exponentially more than just trying to make it all about yourself. And so that that's probably my aha moment. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Good one. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on today. We're grateful for your time and, and hearing your stories. Um, like I said, I, I could sit here and talk to you all afternoon about real estate. Uh, it excites me too, but obviously we have to part ways. So <laughs> thanks for sharing your afternoon with us. Thanks for coming on. Terrific. Adam and Justin, I really appreciate it. And until the next time. Yeah, excellent to meet you. This has been another episode of the Wealth Watchers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lenny, for my co-host, Justin Hoggett, and I. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks again, guys. And until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us on Facebook, where our members and guests are actively engaging in discussions on wealth growing strategies by searching for Wealth Watchers Community on Facebook.